chapter 13, correct? Revelation 13. Also, you can use your bulletin or a marker to mark 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. So, Revelation 13 and 2 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, 2 Thessalonians, rather. Chapter 2. That's the best sound, I think, in the whole, one of the best sounds in the whole wide world. (laughs) That rustling. If you're using a phone, does it do that on the the Bible app? So you're missing out, man. Or you can come up with that. Make millions. Don't give 10%, give half to the church. No. Just kidding. It's a joke. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful this morning that um, we have the freedom, the privilege, the blessing to gather and to freely open your word and to worship, to know that you're here with us. We trust that the songs have blessed your heart as we've sung together, as we've communicated For some of us, some of the words that we've been wanting to say to you but haven't found a way to say, that we're so grateful for you, that we love you, and we want to bless you this morning. And now, Lord, as we open your word, as we continue to worship, we we are in need of hearing from you. For you said, Lord Jesus, that your sheep hear your voice and they follow you. We need to hear your voice this morning. We need a fresh work of your spirit. And so have your way in this place. We don't want to leave here unchanged, but changed by the power of your spirit through your word. May it be your word that fashions us. And so we thank you for the great things you're going to do for your glory, we pray. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, your precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. I just, by way of reminder again, um, we are looking at, in chapter 6 through 19, future events. I know I say this every week, don't I? Do I say this like almost every week? We are looking at future events, but here's the deal with this. I've been just kind of thinking about, you know, where we are in Scripture. Um, we are looking at future events. However, what we're looking at is applicable to us today. Just as it was the, uh, the first recipients of the revelation of Jesus Christ, all of it is applicable to all of us. Even though we're looking at something that will happen in the future, um, there is application we must put into practice in our lives um, this day. And so 6 through 19 is the period um, known as the tribulation period or Daniel's 70th week. Um, The time of Jacob's trouble, it's also known as, or the day of the Lord, also it's known as the seven-year period. I do not believe we, the church, will be on earth for this time period. When God pours out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world, um, in fact, Revelation 3.10, we saw that earlier, that Jesus said, I will keep you, church, from the very hour of trial capital T, that will come upon this entire world. What is the means of removing us from that time period? It's the rapture of the church. That means Jesus is coming for us to take us to the place that he's preparing for us right now. Anybody excited for that? It's imminent. His return is imminent any moment for us. I'm so looking forward to that mass evacuation to get out of here. And it's all because of what Jesus did for us. In fact, when we take communion, which we do every Sunday night, when we take communion, when we take the Lord's Supper together, the Apostle Paul said, we're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. I'm saying, Lord, you died for me and you're coming back for me. 
And so when we take communion, we remember Jesus, but we're also proclaiming something that he is my savior and that my savior is coming to rescue me, to take me out of here, to go to the Father's house. Well, as we've looked at chapter 6 through 19, we've seen a series of judgments that will happen on planet Earth during that time. It begins with the seal judgments and then goes to the trumpet judgments, and then we'll finally get to which one? The bowl judgments, seven of each as we work our way through. And mixed in uh, the judgments, we find that there's these intermissions. There's these pauses, if you will. And um, we are given more information and more insight concerning the tribulation period um, and what's happening. In fact, in chapter 12 through 14, we've been here a few weeks, haven't we, in 12 through 14? We are being introduced to, introduced to people or personages um, that will be prominent during this time period, connected with the events of the tribulation period. Um, here in chapter 13, last week, we were introduced to the first of two beasts. Um, the first beast is the Antichrist, and the second beast is the, do you guys know who it is? The false prophet, that's right. So they will make up the, the counterfeit trinity that will, be, um, that will be on the scene during the tribulation. A counterfeit father with the devil or the dragon, a counterfeit son in the Antichrist, and a counterfeit Holy Spirit with the false prophet. And so um, in chapter 13, two human instruments that Satan will use at this time, um, there will be no other time like it on planet Earth. It'll be so gnarly, so brutal. It'll be a holocaust like none other. Um, in fact, Antichrist means instead of or in place of Christ. And so we learned last week, John wrote, that the spirit of Antichrist is alive even now in this world and been alive. Those that would replace Jesus Christ instead of Jesus, pointing us away from Jesus, um, supplanting Jesus um, with other teachings than his word. Um, and so we need to guard our hearts, gang, with all diligence to test everything with the word of God, the truth of God's word. And so we're going to see, well, where do we leave off, by the way? 13, chapter 13, chapter 13, let's begin with verse 1. I think we, I think it was like somewhere around verse 4, but who's counting? Let's go, go back and get a running start, right, this morning, <laughs> where we're at. <laughs> Then I stood, John standing on the beach here, I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion." The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. I want to stop right there and just get our attention back to verse 1 for just a moment. And so the Apostle John, right, he's the one that received the revelation, and now we see that he's standing on the sand, he's standing on the beach, and what does he see come up from the sea is this gnarly looking creature, right? This beast, if you will. And so it has, it says what? It says seven heads, seven heads, 10 horns, and on his horns, 10 crowns. So this brutal, vicious, ferocious monster comes up and we know this, this person as the Antichrist. And we're gonna see as we work our way through, there's personal pronouns that are attached to this beast, and we talked about this beast uh, in depth last week as we study the scriptures. We're, we're told that he is the Antichrist in 1 John and in 2 John. We looked at Daniel chapter, you guys remember last week, Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 also. Those uh, portions of scripture help us gain insight and understanding 
concerning uh, the nature, the character, um, the activities that the Antichrist will be involved. The first thing that we took notice of is that the Antichrist rises up from a great body of people. That word sea in the scriptures speaks of the Mediterranean Sea, or it speaks of literal sea, literal body of water. Um, it can also speak of humanity, um, the pagan or the Gentile nations as well. Daniel chapter 9 tells us that he is a Gentile, and it communicates that. Uh, we do know it's a man, and we contrasted the Antichrist with Jesus Christ. The Antichrist rises up. Jesus came down. Jesus, it says in Philippians 2, that he did what? That he that he came, that he humbled himself, taking the form of a bondservant, making himself of no reputation, and what? Becoming obedient even to the death of the cross, giving his life for us. Um, the Antichrist rises up and takes a following we're going to see after him, and anyone that doesn't follow him, he puts to death. And I think the application is simple for us. If we exalt ourselves, we'll be what? We'll be humbled, but if we humble ourselves, he will do what? He will lift us up. He is the one that will exalt us. So we follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ rather than the Antichrist. And then notice the, the, uh, the imagery here that is given, the seven heads, ten horns. We talked about this. Very similar imagery to chapter 12, verse 3, for the dragon. Um, who is the dragon again? Satan, right? And so similar imagery to the dragon, which tells us that the two are connected. The Antichrist is connected with the devil. We're going to see in just a moment. It's the devil that empowers the Antichrist. Um, and then um, we see the multiple heads and horns. We talked a little bit about this last week. If you're taking notes, Revelation chapter 17, all these heads will be, um, will be, um, will be explained to us in that chapter Suffice it to say for right now, um, the point that we, 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 we touched upon last week is that this multi-headed beast is a description of that final world empire that will be on the scene before the return of Jesus Christ. It's going to be brutal, led by the Antichrist. It will start as kind of a confederacy of 10 nations or 10 kings. And then ultimately we'll see in Revelation 17, these 10 kings... Um, that, are, that are connected together will surrender their power, their authority to this one known as the Antichrist. And again, Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 um, helps us understand some of the connections that we need to make um, as we read through this passage. Um, and then one of the other points that we made last week too as we work our way through is that the Antichrist will have absolute power during this time, during the tribulation. Um, and so the last kingdom that's mentioned in Daniel 2 and Daniel chapter 7, it seems to be the Roman Empire will be revived. But all of those empires we looked at last week, it's all in relation to the nation of Israel. It's so important to remember that all of biblical prophecy, um, the epicenter of all of it is the nation of Israel. So all those, those kingdoms that we talked about in Kings last week. Um, it all is in relation to Israel. And so notice what it says also in verse 1 as we kind of just move through this quickly to get to where we left off. Blasphemous name uh, on his heads, blasphemy. Um, it speaks of speaking evil, speaks of um, slander is the word, defaming someone else. And so um, this one known as the Antichrist will be all about talking trash defaming character. We're going to see later he's going to defame the character and nature of God and God's followers also tearing down. His words will tear down. Um, the character of the beast and every, everyone associated with him is evil and what pours forth from him is evil. Verse 2, now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And so John describes this beast, again, this final world ruling empire, and he uses some imagery we took from last week from Daniel 7. Remember these kingdoms that had, uh, had been against Israel? The lion speaks of Babylon, right? The bear speaks of the Medo-Persians. The leopard speaks of the Greeks. Those were all, all empires that had, that had conquered and ruled against Israel. And now as John looks back in retrospect, he's looking at these, he's, he's being reminded of these world empires, but 
he says it's like Babylon and its ferociousness, like Medo-Persia, like the bear, powerful and, and, and deadly, like Greece, like the leopard, swift and, and quick in conquering is the idea. So this final world ruling empire will have bits and pieces um, that have been passed on to it. And we talked about last week, some of us have habits that have been passed down as kids, haven't we, as families? Hopefully all good habits. Really, the point, I think that simply the point is the Antichrist kingdom is rooted in the kingdoms of the past, is the idea. Um, And so those successive uh, kingdoms that we read about last week in Daniel chapter 7, the final one will be the revived Roman Empire with the ten horns on it. The little horn will pop up and take control and and take uh, take the reins um, from those ten kings. Um, all these previous empires passed off the scene, but they leave their influence on the final empire, um, the empire of the Antichrist. And then notice, look in verse 2, the dragon. Who's the dragon again? The Satan, the devil, is the one who gives his power, his throne, and great authority to the Antichrist. So the Antichrist will be empowered, energized by Satan uh, himself. It's interesting, um, in, we're going to get there in just a moment, Second Thessalonians 2 um, one of the names that Paul uses for the Antichrist is son of perdition. There's only two people in Scripture called son of perdition. The other one was, remember who it was? Judas. Iscariot. And Judas also was energized by Satan too, remember? And he looked, and, and, and Judas just, I don't know. Remember when Jesus was at the table with his disciples? And he said, one of you is going to betray me? Did everybody look at Judas? It's got to be him. Look at how he looks. Look at he wears the dark clothes, all goth. <laughs> Is that what? <laughs> he had everybody fooled. Correct? In fact, he had everybody fooled. He was the treasurer. He took care of the money. And, I, and remember when Mary poured out her precious ointment on Jesus? Gave her best to Jesus in her worship and adoration of him. And what did he say? Why was this wasted? This could have been sold and given to the poor. Such a phony, right? And that's the same way the Antichrist will be also. He'll come on the scene as a peacemaker. We saw this in Revelation chapter 6, right? He'll sign a covenant with many of the Jews. He'll, he'll help them get the temple uh, established and sacrifices and offerings. He'll look really, he'll talk smooth. He'll look smooth. He'll have everybody fooled, but at midway in the tribulation period, his true colors will be seen. But we recognize here that he's energized and empowered by the devil himself. And so the devil has found a willing candidate. Remember, Jesus said, no, I won't take the king. I won't bow down to you and take the kingdoms of this world right now. I'm not going to take a shortcut. I'm going to go the way of the cross because the enemy always offers a shortcut, by the way, to avoid the cross, to go the easy way rather than going the way of the lamb following Jesus. Because the Lord is the only one we should worship and serve. But Satan finds a man that's willing, a willing candidate, right, to take the kingdoms of this earth, to, to rule and to reign. And so it's the devil that energizes and empowers the Antichrist. And then verse 3, check this out. John sees one of the heads, one of the seven heads that's mortally wounded. And some believe, listen, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, some believe this speaks of a national resurrection. In other words, the Roman Empire being resurrected or revived is the idea. That's quite possible. Um, Some say it's individual. It's the Antichrist. There's an assassination attempt. He gets killed and then brought back to life. I believe it's possible. It could be both also. Um, in any event, some people say it was a deception. It, it's going to be a big scam. Um, it's going to be smoke and mirrors. The problem is the words that are used, the mortally wounded and brought back to life, are used in relation to Jesus Christ, our Lord, being mortally wounded and being brought back to life also. So in whatever, whatever, whatever uh, viewpoint you take on what happens to the Antichrist at this time, no doubt it is, um, it's big because look, at, it's miraculous and it's extremely impacting 
undeniably a powerful and pivotal experience. How do we know that? Because look at the end of verse 3 and then into verse 4. In light of what happens, this, this counterfeit resurrection, if you will, look at, the, look at the results. Look what it says in the response. And all the world, how much is all? The entire planet. Marveled, they're blown away, they're in awe, and followed the beast. So they're blown away by what happens. You guys see that? Everybody, they're like, whoa, we got to follow this guy. And look at the next verse, it says, so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him and so this is so powerful so pivotal they're awe so they're in awe they're marveling at what happens with the antichrist and then what happens they begin to follow him they begin to worship not only the antichrist but they worship the devil as well and that's been that's been the devil's desire all along to take worship away from who it rightly belongs to our god amen <laughs> doesn't belong to the devil it belongs to the Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And so, and we talked about this last week, the application. Marvel is this first step in the direction of worship. And the question I asked was, do you still marvel at Jesus? Are you still blown away by him, in awe of him? Because what's the, we see the three, three steps that happen here. Marvel, follow, and worship. Are we still saying, Lord, you're worth it? You're worthy of all my praise, all my thanks, my trust, my belief, my obedience, my entire life. And so it's Jesus is the one who conquered our hearts with his love, and he's the one that's worthy of all of our worship and adoration. Well, notice what else it says in these verses. It says, um, it says that not only that did the whole world worship the dragon, it's the dragon who gave authority to the beast, we're told once again, and they worship the beast saying, who is like this guy? Who's comparable to him? Who can beat him? He's unstoppable. And isn't that the way people look towards leaders? Oh, he's powerful. He's so skilled. He's got so much ability. Listen to the way he talks. Look what he does. You know, it's interesting because it's an upside down kingdom in God's kingdom, isn't it? Who does God choose to use? The weak things, the foolish things, the base things, the things that are not. Why? To confound the things that are, that we would take no credit, that God would get all the credit. Aren't you glad that he uses us? Bunch of knuckleheads. I'm not saying that some of you are not gifted and got great skill sets. But when God does use us, he should be the one that's celebrated. He's the one that should get all the praise. He's given every one of us spiritual gifts. Why? Because our lives are to be marked by the supernatural, not by our own natural abilities. Amen? Okay. Let's keep rolling. Verse 5. And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue... For 42 months, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. So he gets a mouth, and what does he do with his mouth? He talks trash, right? And Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth the mouth speaks. So what's in here begins to come out of his mouth the Antichrist received this platform, this audience. He's given an opportunity to communicate, and he boasts. Remember in Daniel chapter 7, over and over and over, speaking uh, prophetically of the Antichrist, he would speak pompous words. Pompous, arrogant, cocky words. When, you, when you're sharing arrogant or cocky words or tearing people down, what are you trying to do? You're trying to lift yourself up, aren't you? So he's trying to lift himself up. He's got the backing of the devil to do it. He's got this miraculous thing that's happened in his life. And notice he's given authority to continue. How long is 42 months? Three and a half years. Also 1,260 days. Also. Correct? Or a time. Times and half a time, right? That's another way to say three and a half years. 
John is using all these different ways to help us understand. And this is speaking of the last half of the tribulation. How long is the tribulation period for again? Seven years. We see three and a half, three and a half, three and a half, over and over and over. And this corresponds, remember in chapter 12, who got kicked out of heaven? Satan got kicked out of heaven with who? His angels. And he's ticked off right? No more access to heaven. He knows his time is short. He's got three and a half years. And what does he do? He tries to annihilate all of God's people. He goes on the war path. And this corresponds again with what we're reading here. I believe he's trying to, the devil's trying to eradicate uh, the Jews also, eradicate them. Israel, why? To prevent the kingdom from being set up. (laughs) He knows the kingdom is coming the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, remember with me that the the tribulation starts with the signing of the covenant between the Antichrist and many of the Jews. Halfway through, he'll break the covenant. He'll go into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. He'll proclaim himself as God, demand to be worshipped as God, turn on the Jews and hunt them down. So we know it's Satan behind the Antichrist's actions Um, And so he's going to take the one world religion that's arisen at this time and he's going to make it all about him. And I don't know about you. Do you guys see like that moving in that direction? A one world that's everybody gathered together. What's the what's the bumper sticker you see all the time? What is it? What's it called? Coexist. That's what it is. Rip. And they got the, don't they have the crescent, the Muslim crescent? Who do they coexist with? Zero. It's off with the nugget, right? And then notice what he is in verse 6. The Antichrist talks trash about God blasphemy, to speak against, to speak evil of, to injure with words. He talks trash about God. So he's got this, he's, he's risen from the dead, whether you think it's supernatural or if it's smoke and mirrors, whatever it is, it's so big. He's got this crowd, people listening, and he starts to trash talk against God. And who else? Four, four things that's mentioned there. Number two, he talks trash about his name. He blasphemes the name. When we, when we hear name, it speaks of God's character, of who he is. Is God's name to be maligned or talking bad about? His name is holy. And so he begins to talk trash about God's character also. And then who else? What is, his tabernacle, that speaks of God's home in heaven. We'll see that Revelation 15, 5, if you're taking notes. And then also, those who dwell in heaven. Who is dwelling in heaven at this time? We are. He's talking trash about believers and the faithful angels also. He's maligning and talking trash and speaking evil and slandering. He doesn't stop. That's, I mean, that's what the devil does, accuses and slanders. And he'll keep doing that. And I think the point, though, that is being made here is that the Antichrist is totally aligned against God. He will try to destroy God's reputation, his character. And we see this Antichrist spirit is alive today, isn't it? Trying to poison the minds of people. I mean, I think I mentioned it last week in our colleges, even our Christian colleges. The spirit of Antichrist poisoning the minds of our kiddos. And it's interesting because in Daniel chapter 7, Um, verse 25, it speaks of the Antichrist trying to change uh, laws and seasons also. Isn't that interesting? What does that even mean? He tries to change laws and seasons, or times and seasons, times and laws. What does that speak of? I think he's going to try to get rid of Christmas, Easter, anything Christian, podcasts, radio broadcasts. He's going to try to get rid of it all. And so... Banning Bibles, we see that also. And so, verse 7, notice it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, it says. uh, And authority was given him over every tribe, 
tongue, and nation. So the Antichrist is enabled and empowered to fight against the church, the saints. Remember, there's Old, there's Old Testament saints. There's, the Bible does call us saints in the New Testament, but there's also tribulation saints. That's what it's speaking of here. Those people that give their lives to Jesus during the tribulation. Again, we're gone by this time. And I just want to point out also, um, this is not the church because Jesus spoke about the church not being overcome. Remember Matthew chapter 16, speaking to Peter, right? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it or overcome it or have victory over it as well. It also says that in the book of Daniel also. And so this is not the church. These are the saints and the Antichrist is able to make war against them, overcome them, overpower them. And notice what else it says. And it says authority was given him over, how much is this? Every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's a lot of influence and power, isn't it? How in the world does this guy get that much influence and power? It's one world government, one world global empire headed by this guy. Um, I told you guys to mark 2 Thessalonians. Let's flip over there real quick. Hold your place in Revelation 13. We're going to come back there, make some application, and then send us on our way. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Just by way of reminder, the Apostle Paul had been in Thessalonica approximately four, I think it was three Sabbaths or four weeks, somewhere around there during his missionary journey, second missionary journey, church is planted. It's interesting because he spoke, he taught them about eschatology. Is it the word eschatology? End times, prophetic stuff. New believers, by the way. He taught them about the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians, right? Remember we talked about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Jesus coming to take us out of here before God's wrath is poured out. But the church became confused. The church became deceived. Someone was spreading rumors in the church. Never happens, does it? What were they saying? You missed the tribulation. You missed the rapture. You're in the tribulation right now. And they were going through hardship and difficulty. It was a gnarly season for these believers. You read through that letter and what it says, what Paul encourages them in and exhorts them and comforts them in. They were going through difficulty. And some were saying, it's going to be a mid-trib rapture. It's going to be a post-trib. Pre-wrath, post-whatever, post-toasties. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. I find it interesting how many different variations of the rapture that we've come up with. When it, I think it's very, very clear in Scripture. Very clear. And I'm not trying to divide with anybody. If you, if you think it's mid, post, pre-wrath, whatever, or maybe you're pan, you just hope it all pans out. We're not going to divide. You're entitled to your own distorted opinion. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting what Paul says. Because, listen, because imminence does something. When we're expecting his return any moment, it does something in our hearts and in our lives. It has a purifying effect. You're on your toes living for Jesus, not living a life of deceit and phoniness. He said he's coming like a thief in the night, didn't he? If you knew a thief was coming tonight, would you be ready for him? If he texted you, I'm coming at 12:13 on the dot, you're, are you going to be ready for him? I have no doubt you're going to be protecting your castle. You're going you're gonna to be dialed in, aren't you? Physically to protect your stuff, but what about spiritually to protect your stuff? He's coming like a thief. He's coming in any minute. Well, it's been 2,000 years, Pastor. Come on, man. Yeah, because he wants every generation to be ready for his return, looking for it. 
And well, Paul, Second Thessalonians, sorry. That's, you're way off, man. Get back. I'm back coming back right here. Listen to what it says. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Hey, people are saying that you're in the day of the Lord. You're at the, no, 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 no. Don't be shaken. Listen, if you're in the day of the Lord, then you can be. Then you can freak out. But you're not. And here's five reasons why you're not. Some things have to happen that would tell you that you're in the day of the Lord. Number one, the departure or the rapture. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away or the departure comes first. And the man of sin, who's the man of sin? The Antichrist is revealed, the son of perdition. So he says, that day hasn't come. But what's going to happen first? The departure. Some people say this is a falling away of the faith that Paul talks about in Timothy. The word apostasia can mean uh, to apostatize, but it also means a departure as well. I personally believe it speaks of the church being raptured. That's the context of what's being communicated here. You can come talk to me afterwards and I can just explain more. But then he says something else is going to happen. The, re the revelation, the revealing of the Antichrist the son of perdition, the man of sin is revealed, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. When's that going to happen? Midway through the tribulation. That's the abomination of desolation. Are you guys following with me still? I'm seeing some blank stares. Does that make sense? He's going to come into the rebuilt temple and proclaim himself as God, to demand to be worshipped. He's going to be speaking blasphemies and talking trash. And the Jews are going to recognize, whoa, 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 he's not the Messiah. We've been tricked. We've been duped. Right? Jesus spoke about that. Make, flee to the wilderness, flee to the hills, the mountains. When you see the abomination of desolation, that's what it's talking about here. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? He's like, don't you remember? I told you all about this. Sometimes, I mean, that's a total pastor's heart too. Don't you remember? We went through this. We've gone over this. The problem is what? We sometimes forget, don't we? We remember the things we should forget and forget the things we should remember. Don't you remember I told you? Jesus is coming for his church. Then the Antichrist will be revealed. Hey, don't you remember? He's the one that's going to proclaim himself as God and go into the rebuilt temple and demand to be worshipped. Don't you remember I told you that? That'll be during the tribulation. You're not in the tribulation because you'd be caught up out of here. You'd depart before then. And then he says, and now you know what is restraining that he, the Antichrist, may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And so what's holding back? What's keeping, keeping this world from becoming into the tribulation? All the gnarly stuff? The Holy Spirit through the church. Restrainers still at work through us. Salt and light. But well, what's going to happen? We're going to be taken out of here. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Who's the lawless one again? The Antichrist. Whom the Lord will consume. Isn't this great? What's going to happen to him? Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Don't forget what's going to happen to him. I told you guys this. Don't you remember? He's going to show up. He's going to do his nonsense. The Lord's going to show up, take him out, wipe him out. Real simple. The coming of the lawless one, and here's the point that I wanted to make. 
The coming of the lawless one is according to the working or the energizing of Satan with all power, signs, lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, who, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so what does Paul remind them? You guys know what's going to happen? I told you this already. There's going to be a whole bunch of people that reject Jesus Christ and follow the Antichrist. They're going to be deluded. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want the love of the truth. They don't want God's word. They don't want Jesus. Get away from me with that. That is the most frightening thing. I ministered to someone on their deathbed, a lady, an elderly lady, that said, get away from me with that Jesus stuff with expletives mixed in. So frightening. But people love their sin, pleasure and unrighteousness. Men love darkness rather than light, the Bible says. And so back to Revelation. As we finish up, because we got to finish this up, and then next week we'll look at the false prophet So all authority given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So he receives influence and power over the entire planet. And then verse 8 says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. The Antichrist church. This is the Antichrist church right here. They're all going to worship him. Whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain, from the foundation of the world. So the Antichrist church, it comprised of who? Of those who are unsaved. There's a global worship going on, right? It's gone from one world religion to just Antichrist religion, Antichrist church. And listen, the world's being conditioned for it right now. Again, that moving in that direction. The, those who dwell on the earth, earth dwellers, those who live for this life, they reject Jesus Christ. They live for this world, what this world has to offer. They live for the temporal. They live for the material. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to put in and put on. That's what the unbelievers are concerned about. But you, brother or sister, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Those are the things the unbelievers worry about, not you. But these people, that's what they live for. And they end up worshiping who? They end up worshiping the Antichrist. Their names are not found in this special book. Do you know Jesus has a special book? With the names of his followers written inside. It, it, listen, is your name in there this morning? Is your name in his book this morning? I it is. Are you trusting in him? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Maybe you're saying, I don't know. You know that God wants you to know? He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. I want to be in there. What do I do? You repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning. Real simple. Amen. You have a change of mind about Jesus, change of direction. You're going away from him. You need to turn to him and put your faith and trust in him. Say, I received the free gift. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I need forgiveness. My life is empty. My heart is empty. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. You don't, fix up, you don't fix yourself up and come to Jesus. You come just as you are. That's what we've all done, haven't we? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a really good person, getting better and better, getting gooder and gooder. Wretch, mess. That's all of us. You come. All those who put their trust in him will never be put to shame. Notice it says the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Isn't that beautiful? God knew we would blow it. He knew we would need a savior. This speaks of how God's plan of redemption extended into eternity past. Do you guys see that? The lamb slain before the foundation of the world, before creation. How did this work out? I'm not sure. Did they Rochambeau, who odd man out goes? 
Some of you get that later. It's totally cool. <laughs> no, they, the plan came together and the son said, I'll go. I'll leave the glory of heaven. Take a body, become a man. Walk as a man. That's what he did. Lived a sinless life. And then willingly laid down his life for you and for me. Taking the punishment that we deserved upon himself. Suffering in our place. But rising again the third day. And ascending back into heaven. Because he descended, that's how he ascended right back. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Real simple. This plan was foreordained by God. If you're taking notes, 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, Acts chapter 2, 22 to 24. This plan was preordained or foreordained by God, it says. Well, wait a minute. Later on in chapter 17, 8, it says that our names were written in the foundation of the world. You mean God chose us all the way back then? Yes. How does that work out? Do we choose or are we chosen? Yes. How do you figure it out? I don't. I'm not asked to figure it out. I rejoice. I had to choose Jesus. God created me with choice. And then you give your life to him and you realize I've been chosen. Yes, thank you. I'm a first round draft pick. We all are. Isn't that great? We're all first rounders. There's no like 80 second rounders in here. All of us as believers how do, you, how do you work that out? I don't. I, God didn't call me to work that out. He called me to trust him. Amen. The Bible teaches both. And so it's cause for rejoicing. Isn't that what Jesus said? Remember when, again, the disciples came back from their short-term mission trip? Lord, you wouldn't believe it. Casting out demons, doing this in your name, doing that in your name. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Look out for pride. And then he goes on to talk about don't rejoice in this. But rejoice that what? That your names are written in heaven. That's what we rejoice about. Say, Lord, thank you. <laughs> My name's written in your book. Hallelujah. Verse 9. Let's finish up. 9 and 10. Tune in. Listen up. That's what it says. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Final words of warning, exhortation, and comfort. He who, leads, or he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Notice of the saints, not the church. Get an ear to hear. Jesus said this in his ministry, didn't he? Before the church was, uh, came to, into being. This is after the church has been raptured. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. The person who brings another into bondage enslaves someone else. This is heavy. They themselves will be brought into bondage and enslaved likewise. The person who takes another's life will lose their life also. And it says, look what it says. This is the place, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. This is the place where those set apart, Saint is someone set apart for God. This is the place where those who belong to him must do what? Bear up under the load, have patience, and have faith. Because at this time, remember what Jesus said, those who endure to the end will be saved. Those that are on earth that have given their lives to Jesus at this time, you need to endure, man. Be patient. Hoopamone is the word there. Hoopamone. Sounds like Italian ice, doesn't it? Give me a side of hoopamone. Bear up under it. Difficult circumstances, difficult people, you bear, you keep, you hang in there. The Lord will give you the strength to do it. And faith, keep trusting in him. Keep trusting in his word, his promises, his plans, his purposes. Keep looking to the Lord. Again, in context, it's the immediate exhortation for the tribulation saints, but this has application for you and I today as well. Correct? I think about those people that are bringing others into human trafficking, those that are murdering our brothers and sisters around the world. I think the reminder is that God is in control. No one's going to get away with evil. Righteousness will prevail. God sees everything. God will not allow evil to go unchecked. There will be a day of reckoning 
everyone will give an account. And the question is this morning, are we listening to what God is saying? Are we following Jesus? If you are in opposition to Jesus, against Jesus, causing a little one to stumble, didn't Jesus have some heavy words? He said, if you cause one of these little ones that believe in me to stumble, it would be better if you had a millstone wrapped around your neck. I think for those that are teachers, I'm, I'm praying about whether to send something to my girl's college. Pray for me. Or do I need to go in person? Patience, are you hanging in there? Faith, are you trusting? We're part of a new kingdom, aren't we? Aren't you glad we're part of a new kingdom? We've been brought, listen, we've been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Conveyed from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his son, of his love. We don't operate according to that old kingdom anymore where there's lying, deceit. What else? What else do we see in chapter 13? Intimidation, force, talking behind people's back. That's part of the old kingdom, isn't it? The kingdom of darkness, controlling, exalting self, brutality and dishonesty. That was part of our old life. We were part of that old kingdom. That has no business being in our lives anymore, even in ministry too, by the way. We're part of a new kingdom where it's all about what? Truth, humility, gentleness, not force, not phony, not fake, being lowly, meek and lowly, being servants as we follow Jesus' example. Amen? In his name. Lord, thank you so much for this amazing passage and where you have us, Lord. It's not an accident or a coincidence. I pray, God, please, for my brothers and sisters that they would continue to test everything with your word. to seek you, to abide in you, Jesus, that you would keep us all close to your heart as we see things getting darker and darker around us, that we would shine brighter and brighter, that our saltiness would not be diluted by the things that we are engaged in, 